You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. I can't think of any better way to say this than Paramount, when they had all the Trek shows streaming. <laughs> one of my favorite races in the history of star trek has got to be the Temerians, who uh are an weird race in that they speak entirely in metaphor and examples i mean like a lot was made out of it on star trek next generation in fact i even have a t-shirt for one of them because their translators wouldn't translate because they would like well here's what i mean remember that time this thing happened in our history and this guy did this so they'd just say that and people go oh yes i know what you mean i thought that was a riot and i think it's a riot they introduced one of them in the second season of Star Trek to join the cast, Kayshawn. But that's kind of what Star Trek Lower Decks is. It's definitely pointed at people who are just huge Star Trek nerds already and is just there for us all to celebrate and have fun. I mean, even though they're like, it's canon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah, but they're taking the characters, then the races that it's fine. You can do whatever you want with the Pocklets. <laughs> who are like a throwaway episode Uh, they're kind of like a nothing character and then for them to be like the main bad guy is amazing (laughs) what if a star trek nemesis but stupid (laughs) and it really shouldn't work but they actually make them part of the season arc to this season they actually are kind of a surprisingly welcome addition because normally the the packlet episodes showed up i was like oh fuck not these guys again (laughs) right their legacy is mostly in sort of like humor and meme potential we make ships go (laughs) yeah the dumbest race in the galaxy that still has starflight it's like when they introduced the ferengi they're supposed to be the new big bad and then they're like oh jesus these guys are really fucking stupid and they're more funny so they ended up just becoming comic characters whereas the packlet's like Nope, these are morons. These are butts of jokes from day one. That's all they're ever going to be. To the credit of the writers of Deep Space Nine, they took these like sort of throwaway humor characters and actually gave them a huge amount of depth as a race and as specific characters Mm -hmm. to where by the end you were like, I kind of like the Ferengi. I mean, I wouldn't trust them still, but you know, I mean, Quark maybe. But we are reviewing the second season of Star Trek Lower Decks, the animated series that streams on Paramount+. Plus. Joining me is Marco. Ugh, Captain, I don't think I can hold it together much longer. Oh, wait, I'm talking about my bladder. I tried to uh, binge a lot of these last night. It's hard to sit still for very long when you're my age. And Elliot. Eating from his Tom Paris plate. (laughs) (laughs) And Harmony. I want to catch up on some episodes of Voy. Love my Voy. How many people were on the review for the first season? I was. Just Marco? Okay. So we reviewed it and we really liked it. I think I can say it now. It's my favorite of the new Star Trek shows. Sorry. I mean, it hits all my nostalgia buttons, but in a way that doesn't make you feel bad for it hitting your nostalgia buttons because that's kind of the humorous point of the whole show. It's just filled with just constant Easter eggs for anybody who has watched any Star Trek show. I mean, it even has Easter eggs to the original animated series, for God's sakes, at points. And it's just kind of a thing of joy of following the 
people who are not the primary officers on a starship and not a primary starship, the USS Cerritos. So we follow a group of characters who are ensigns. And when the last season ended, Beckett Mariner discovered has been the daughter of the ship's captain the whole time. She just didn't want to tell her friends about that for reasons that aren't that hard to figure out. And then Brad Boimler who has always been trying to make his way up. He's like one of those guys, I, I love working here and I want to do it. I'm going to work hard. And I'm going to end up being a captain someday. And he got his shot and he left to go be on the USS Titan serving under William Riker, you know, which is his dream. Like that's the big step. Riker's like, you know, a god only to find out. To be careful what you wish for. It's like nonstop, crazy, over the top shit. <laughs> which is and- exactly how a ship being ran by Riker would be like. All adrenaline junkies all the time. It's this great shot of Riker on the Titan and they're, you know, they're going into warp and the chief horses are pulling everything back. And he's like, I love this job. <laughs> Boimler is like, you know, hanging on for dear life. What people tend to forget is like, everybody thinks it's always like whatever's going on in the Enterprise or in Deep Space Nine. It's like, no, most of these voyages are actually pretty boring. They're administrative duties. They're in charge of second contact. First contact, the cool guys get to make first contact. The Cerrito shows up as second contact. They're like, here's some technology. Here's how you can contact us. Here's some brochures. You know, you can read up on the Federation. In theory, they're the really boring, dumb jobs nobody wants. And that's kind of what's so wonderful about this, because it reframes it from the grunt level of the Star Trek Federation. It's like, not everybody's a rock star like Kirk. Some people have to just show up and pump gas and bring in vaccines and do basic administrative duties. And that's kind of cool. It still has that thing that makes Star Trek, when it's done right, special, which is that even the smallest job is really actually important. Right. And that all yes. of these people are really important to keeping this thing running. And- you're sailing through space. <laughs> that's awesome. Whether yeah, you're, e- you're cleaning the latrines at the same time, whatever, you're in space. Even the most mediocre member of a ship, by regular standards, is a fucking genius. Right. They're like, I'm just a slow-level ensign, but I've figured out how to like completely redo our engines to make sure that we don't die in a gravity well. They're like, okay, that ensign has a good idea. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah to get a job on a Federation starship of any starship, you've got to be, still be pretty damn competent and like have high marks to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Or have a mother who's a starship captain, I guess. <laughs> it couldn't hurt. But it's funny that this show almost immediately gets back to the starting point. We're like, yes, the characters sort of split up. We saw like a traumatic death of one of the bridge crew from the last episode, which it's hard to say spoilers for anything on this show because it is all kind of tongue in cheek. But they bring him back rather quickly. But I love that they never explain it. Everyone's like, how did he come back? And they're like, don't ask him about it. It's very traumatic. He's not going to want to talk about it. So we still don't know (laughs) why that guy who, who died is alive now and really kind of pissed off. I hope that turns into a thing next season, because this season it was just kind of a running joke. I like that they brought back the time koala (laughs) for just like a moment. I was like, (laughs) yes, okay. Boimler comes back with the main crew as well, using for the fulcrum uh, old William Riker reference to a specific event that happened to him that I thought was hysterical that that's the way they decided to go with it. And we'll (laughs) definitely be seeing that play into the storyline in future installments. But these are standalone episodes with a season arc of sorts involving the Packleds, who are the biggest, dumbest, stupidest race in the galaxy, and they're bullying of the Federation. They're not very good at it, so they're not wildly hard to defeat, but at the same time, it leads into, you know, once again, a cliffhanger ending. I'm not going to say what it is, but it once again separates some of the members of the crew. What will happen? It's not like end of best of both worlds part one or anything where you're like, <laughs> I can't wait six months to see what happens. You're like, it'll be fine. No, they're definitely telegraphing the fact that they've already gotten renewed for season three. 
three. And it is a lot more ambitious compared to the previous season because they're like, oh, no, this story is going to go on. We're telling a bigger story, but like the old series, we could have season-long arcs, but it's mostly going to be done through standalone episodes. And because it's like a lot of standalone, I think it allows them to invest the emotional beats more in the character relationships rather than sort of their relationships to the action going on. Mm -hmm. Boimler and Mariner and Tendi and Rutherford really grow as friends. Right. The core family that we follow through the series. I really love Tendi and Rutherford's relationship just because he's cybernetic and the fact that he like forgot her the last season and is trying to regain those memories and make those connections again. It was very sweet. And every time I see the guy who plays Rutherford, Eugene Cordero, I'm always like, Pillboy, because, you know, he's from <laughs> The Good Place. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Pillboy every every time. I love all the characters. They're very sweet. And even if they're grunts or whatever, or the lower ranks, they're like really connected, very together. And I, I love that about the show. I think the secret sauce in every Star Trek series has been that they have a bunch of characters and they can't always put an emphasis on the same characters all the time. There's definitely some that are bigger than others. With so many characters, they have no excuse not to mix and match them. This show hasn't really done that as much. Usually the A plot is Boimler and Beckett Mariner, and the B plot is almost always Rutherford and Tendi. In one episode, they finally put Tendi and Mariner together, and in a meta moment, they're like... Wow, isn't it weird? We've been on so many adventures, but this is the first time we've ever actually done anything yes. together. I barely even know you. <laughs> yeah, they all have their own various issues they're trying to get over. And like, it's funny, by the end of the season, I still feel like most people have kind of worked out their shit. But Beckett seems like she's still going to be kind of obnoxious going forward. <laughs> Just <laughs> out of spite. <laughs> she's like the most competent and capable of all of them. She is the Riker in the future, you know, mm-hmm. Ensign, but yeah. who has serious issues getting over the fact that she is really both sort of jealous and suspicious of her mother and their relationship isn't good. But even so, she's just so fucking spiteful, man. (laughs) She just like will shit over anybody if she feels like she's been slighted at all. She's definitely got some issues. I mean, she's the wild card of the deck that often sets the story in motion, even sabotaging other people's friendships just to get a rise out of them. It's kind of frustrating because I was like, I thought this character had grown out of this by season one. That is always going to be the problem with comedy, is that you have to have your characters be kind of static. The more they grow, the harder it is for them to become funny, because they stop making the same stupid mistakes. Homer learns a lesson every episode, but the next episode, he's the same moron he's always been. Otherwise, there's no joke there. And I do feel like that's getting a little bit old with Mariner, because I'm like, you've learned this lesson multiple times. I hope season three, she kind of snaps out of that a little bit. Yeah, obviously it not really having an overall arc. It's hard to talk about this long term. So we'll just go to like naming what your favorite episode is and why. So Marco, why don't you start on that? It's probably the second to last one. Wedge douche which is actually just in Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> when you see the episode, you're like, what the fuck does that say? Which I think is three ships. It takes the concept of the lower decks to its logical conclusion, which is there's a lower decks on every starship, (laughs) not just in the Federation. So what's going on on a Klingon ship and what's happening 
on a Vulcan ship, and obviously with Vulcans, you can only get so many jokes out of them, but it ends up structurally being the smartest episode of the season because it builds to that final episode with the Paclids, and we finally understand why the hell the Paclids have suddenly become such a threat. There's all these other different things going on, and we see characters on the lower decks in the other ships who are kind of parallel to our lower deckers. They're kind of the misfits. They don't always do what they're told, or they're a little bit over-anxious to get into command, but they're the lower deck characters who kind of figure out what's going on while the rest of their superiors are like, wait, what? We didn't know this was happening. How did you figure that out? Oh, by the way, you're going to the brig because yes, you saved the day, but you also disobeyed a direct order. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Harmony? Probably the one where Mariner and Tindy are, are off on their adventure and we get to see a little bit more about Orion culture, you know, because we've got the Orion slave girl and then, oh no, well, they're actually pirates. Oh, well, no, they're, you know, and just kind of learning more about that and the conflict of Tindy and uh, Mariner's relationship because we hadn't actually seen them do anything together other than in like a group situation. I think the CGI for the season, they definitely like got a really good package, <laughs> a really good computer package to make it. It just looked that much better. Elliot? Probably an embarrassment of duplers, which yeah. is there's <laughs> an alien I would have expected to see in like Rick and Morty. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> duplers duplicate when they become embarrassed so everyone's kind of walking on eggshells and if he spills the salt suddenly everybody's spilling the salt and not make him feel uncomfortable but there's also just some really great stuff with Tendi and Rutherford in there Mariner keeps talking about being like Kirk and Spock in this one there's a lot of great references mm-hmm. to the original series and I really like the finale too yeah. especially with Gomez who is a really really minor character in TNG yeah super deep cut <laughs> Most well known for spilling her coffee on Picard at one time. <laughs> yeah. And they brought the original actress back to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I looked it up. I was like, wow. Was I love that. Yeah, she's the captain's best friend. They're like, yeah, we went to the academy together. Like, I had to look that up. That was too deep of a cut. I would have never caught that. And in the last episode, there's, it's Captain Picard Day, but it's like for her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My favorite was I Excretus, which was where they send a person on board, a Pandorian drill instructor, to look over holodeck drills. They're sort of like everybody has their own test that's almost impossible to pass. The Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. You're learning about what their real weaknesses are. You know, they haven't confronted by them really quickly failing their drills, with the exception of Boimler, who has got yeah. arguably the most difficult of any of them. Hey, you're on a Borg ship. And he, like, passes. And like, wait, what was my score? 74. Start it over again. You're like, again. well, you realize if you lose, that score doesn't count. Start it over again. He's <laughs> like a perfectionist, which in his own way is his flaw. He's like, I got to figure out how to get 100% on this Borg mission. And by the, you know, you see it keeps coming back a slightly higher score. And every time it's just more insanely elaborate his plot of like how to beat the thing and like he's like come back with like board prisoners and board babies it was the board babies that freaked me out I was like oh no they're board babies it's also a nice way to bring Alice Krieg back in as a cameo but that's also the episode where the lower deckers and the bridge crew switch places Mm -hmm. yeah and the bridge crew's like Working lower decks, how hard can it be? You know, of course, it turns like this sucks. Yeah. Well, at first they're like, "This is easy, man. I miss this. We just like stack some boxes and get to go back to our bunks and rest." And then they find out, "Oh shit, we've got to support these other guys too." <laughs> anyway, let's go to final thoughts. Harmony, you got us started. 
I've really liked this series. I'll wait until several episodes are out to watch it. This was weekly viewing for me. And I like anything that has that kind of appointment viewing nostalgia, if you will. The effects package that they purchase, good for them for using it. It looks great. I don't think any of the jokes for me are getting like overplayed other than maybe, you know, Mariner, like she needs to learn her lesson and actually like learn the lesson. I highly recommend this. I enjoy it so much. I wish there was more episodes. (laughs) I wish the episodes were longer. If you love Star Trek, you're going to love this. So I'm going to give this 9 out of 10. Boimlers. Let's look at some more Boimlers. There's got to be some more out there. Elliot? Yeah, I largely agree. I think this is definitely pretty far and away the best of the new Treks to come out. Part of that just because it's so, so irreverent. I like the first season. Uh, I think this is an improvement on the first season, just animation-wise, bringing in even more Easter eggs and characters-wise. None of the jokes are getting old for me. I do think that maybe some characters need a little bit more growth, but this is only the second season. And for Star Trek shows, I think these first two seasons are better than maybe even Next Generation and DS9. There's nothing that really wowed me in this season, but it was just I had a really fun time overall, and I was excited to watch it every week and pick out all the Easter eggs, and I'll probably be re-watching TNG here soon because I'm in that mood again. So yeah, I'm going to give this 8.5 out of 10 duplicating duplers. Marco? I agree with Chris that this is the best of the new Trek. The other stuff is also really good. I'm enjoying the hell out of Discovery. I like this series for the same reason I like Discovery, because it seems like we finally have showrunners who actually love Star Trek, who are acknowledging that, yeah, the Federation doesn't always do the right thing, and sure, Starfleet can get really fussy and bureaucratic, but with the format they have here, they're allowed to really just poke fun at it. And frankly, people have been poking at Star Trek for so long, it's kind of amazing it took them this long to just go, you know what, we could do this to ourselves. (laughs) I mean, hell, William Shatner realized he could make an entire career by making a joke of himself. Why can't we extend that to the entire franchise? And it works because they love it. Just like Galaxy Quest or Shaun of the Dead, it's not just poking fun at a genre and saying, boy, isn't this dumb? It's going, yeah, it's silly, but we love it, and we're going to celebrate its silliness. The secret to its success, though, is that it's still structured like a conventional Star Trek series. Mm -hmm. These could be TNG episodes. These could be episodes of Voyager. It's just done as a comedy. But if you look at it just on a story basis, yeah, these are solid stories. And they just are done with a lot of humor and in jokes. I had a great time with this. Like Harmony, I wish I could have just watched these weekly. I ended up trying to watch them in a big batch. And I think I missed a lot of it because I was watching it in a hurry. I'm going to give this 8 out of 10 data-shaped bottles of bubble bath, but some of them are probably lower. Some of them are probably lower. This is just absolutely charming. It's very funny. I thought this season was funnier than the first season, more constantly. Like, the first season had points where we're like, okay, you're still finding your feet. It's not 100%, but it works much more than it doesn't. This kind of always worked for me. The animation has taken a step up. I like that they're continuing to evolve the characters and their relationships. I like that they're continuing to insert new characters into the formula here as well. Why not? We're Star Trek fans. We can keep track of, like, 50 characters. It's not that hard, especially when most of them are aliens and look completely different from each other. And not only are the episodes funny and sometimes even a little poignant and help these characters grow, but sometimes they're really exciting. Like the season finale was like kind of edge of your seat at points. Like, wow, this is, I've never seen anything like this on Star Trek before. This is crazy. But once again, 
it all fits. They say this is all stuff that not only fits inside the canon, they say, yes, it happened. But they've even talked about someday actually having like live action versions of some of these characters appear on other Star Trek shows to like be very clear. No, that was real. So I w- don't be surprised if at some point an episode of like Picard, they have like a much older version of Boimler or something show up. You know? I want that live action Billups episode where they go to his home planet, which is just basically horny Renfair planet. Yes, <laughs> yeah. horny Renfair planet. I love horny Renfair planet. <laughs> that was one of the real like original Star Trek series type episodes. Yeah. <laughs> like this. Oh, and I love the let's fuck with that oil creature that killed Tasha Yar. Yes. <laughs> Fans of Star Trek, if you're not watching this yet, if you love the original series, if you love Next Generation, you love Deep Space Nine and Voyager, or even just one of those, you really need to be watching the show. It's great. Uh, I'm going to give this eight and a half out of ten Lower Decks Borg crew, who really are pretty much the same as Higher Decks Borg crew. Yeah. They just go, boo. You're the collective. <laughs> boo. <laughs> boo. <laughs> That's about it. They just sit there.